Well, these days we are uh, looking at the famous teaching of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in this sermon, Jesus gets pretty clear about what life was created to look like for us as humans and how the law was actually designed to help us live this life of love out, but not simply by obeying the law. We know that rules don't actually transform our heart, which that's what God is interested in, transforming our heart from the inside out. Now, when it comes to this life that we live, it's awfully easy to get focused on the outward, right? Our appearance. We do this with our kids, starting off, behave. We want you to obey. We want you to focus on the outside. And I'm not saying that Jesus isn't saying that the outside isn't important. It is important. Our actions do matter. It's just not necessarily the most important thing, and it's also not the thing that we focus on. That the life Jesus describes is that our inner world is just as important, or actually maybe even more important, because it's our inner world that actually shapes what our outer world looks like. It's why we need a change of heart. That's why we need that. So for the last several weeks, we've been looking at these six antitheses where Jesus says, you heard it said, and then he says, but I say to you. So he says, here's what the law of Moses says, but I'm actually here and I'm going to raise the stakes a little bit. Let me say, this is what I say. I'm going to take it up a level. And if you miss these weeks, uh, be sure to catch up online. If you don't know where to go to on our platforms, just go to our app and you can find everything out there. You can listen to the podcast so you can watch uh, the messages as well. And... Um, He also uh, said something else. He talked about how every human is equal, all equal value. And as we pick up this conversation, I want to remind you of uh, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about anger. And Brian shared some good news. He said, cultivating anger, uh, whether acted upon in violence towards others or only imagined in our minds, is playing with fire. And it ends up in destruction. God's better way of being human transforms us from the inside out, starting with our hearts, not our behavior. That is good news. Jesus is actually concerned about what anger is doing in us, what it's doing to us. And that when we cultivate it, when we hang on to it, the less capable we are of giving love and offering love to other people. That's who we're designed to be, people of love. We hold on to anger, the less capable we are of being the humans that we're designed to be. And then Jesus said, every person is valuable to God. No one is invisible. Everybody say that. No one is invisible. Now look around the room when you say that. No one is invisible. No one's invisible. No one. No matter if somebody you're angry with, no matter who it is, Every single person is a much-loved child of God. A few years back, I found myself in a kind of a challenging situation as a pastor. A longtime Heitzer and friend of mine, uh, something came between us. And my friend was going through something pretty difficult, much more difficult than I knew what was going on. Uh, But I got a text from this person one evening And what I thought it was saying was, this what it said was, I'm going through a difficult time. I need some prayer right now, that kind of thing. So uh, I read it as kind of a high-level thing, and I responded back with, you know, thinking of you, praying for you, you're you're on my mind, that kind of thing. That I'd be joining them in prayer and stuff like that. And what I didn't realize is the situation was much more dire 
than what I read that was going into it. And the expectation of how I would respond to that text was totally different than how I responded to the text. And what was going on in their life, I should have responded in a different way, and I didn't, but I didn't know what was happening. So what happened was what was once this solid friendship between this longtime Heitzer was hurt. Like, they were really hurt by my response and by my lack of emergent response. And, you know, with the gap that was there, I could see why they were. So I would text, get nothing. I would call, get nothing. Longtime friendship, all of a sudden, nothing in response. You guys ever been in a situation like that? So in that moment, I could have been like, well, I responded how I responded. I've reached out. I've done all I can do. I guess it's on them. But I could not let that happen. I just couldn't. I couldn't shake that. So what I did, uh, actually, before a gathering, because the other option is this. We could just say, well, maybe the opportunity to present itself. You ever say that? Like something comes in between and you think, when there's a good opportunity, I'll reconcile that. And you've said that for, what, 12, 15 years now, sometimes with some people. So what I realized is the good opportunity may not come. So before a Sunday morning gathering, I went to this person, and I could see the immediate response from them was, we're not talking about this. And actually, they said, we're not talking about this right now. So in a nice, loving, and gentle way, I said, yes, we are. So I was pulled off to the side, and we, we talked about what was going on. And I talked about how things were from my perspective. And and this person told me really what was going on. And when I found out what was going on, my heart broke that I wasn't there for him in that moment. And I apologized for whatever miscommunication and communicated to them, listen, our relationship is too important to me for this. And we're, whatever we have to do to fix this, we're going to fix it. And we committed to that, and we fixed it. And our relationship today is better than it's ever been, honestly. And uh, it's, it's incredible over reconciliation. And I, I believe it's better because we went through a challenge like that. And rather than avoiding it, rather than just letting things be, we push through and fight it for res, res, reconciliation. And uh, we both ended with big hugs and tears and laughter. And we often talk about those moments. I actually texted this person this week and said, hey, is it okay if I tell this story? I'm going to leave it anonymous. But when you hear it, you're going to know exactly who it is. And they said, yeah, absolutely. And they just heart emojied that this is where we are now in a tough situation like that. And there's good news in that. Here's the good news I proclaim today. Reconciliation seems unrealistic and sometimes impossible, but must be radically pursued. Our humility with God and openness to his spirit will result in mutual submission to each other, and then we will enjoy life and the freedom of God's love and offer others the same. Isn't that good news? And this practice of pursuing reconciliation... Uh, Jesus describes, uh, when we pick up from his sermon, he's talking about a lot of anger. So he's been challenging us on how to have the appropriate perspective with anger. And then he continues on here in Matthew. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, then you leave your gift at the altar and you go. First, make things right with your brother and sister and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you're with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge, and the judge will turn, the judge will turn you over to the officer of the court, 
and you'll be thrown into prison. And I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. Now, it's tempting when we're talking about anger, this whole idea just to say, don't get angry. Look at the person next to you and say, don't get angry. Tell them, don't get angry. It's as easy as that. Now we can all go home, right? Don't get angry. I think the truth of the matter is we would rather it be that way, wouldn't it? Just a list of do's and don'ts. But when we approach something like this and we just say, just don't get angry, we, we put it back to legalism. Do's, don'ts. Don't do this, do that. And if we could just do the do's and don'ts, then we would be good. But Jesus doesn't let us off the hook that easy with this subject either. And here's what I believe, that if we slow down and we zoom out, we begin to notice something, that we catch a vision for something that's much more captivating than a list of do's and don'ts. Much more captivating. I don't want to live by rules anyway. I mean, I really don't, right? I'm right in a gate a lot of times. So Jesus is saying, if you're, if you're on your way to the altar and you realize that you need reconciliation, he's saying, leave your gift there and go. So he's given us a different vision, but when we hear this, it sounds a little extreme. He wants us to root out anger, but now we also have to go to the folks that have something against us. Like, I'm okay with rooting out the anger of somebody that I have something against, but they have something against me. And now I have to lay my gift down at the altar and I have to go? It's pretty inconvenient. And in this culture, when he's teaching this, some of these people may have traveled days to get there. And Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, before we enter into this worship, what you actually need to do is leave. And you need to take your journey back home and you need to reconcile with things and then come back here and do this. Go. It's a pretty big deal. Jesus is saying, not when the time's right, not, hey, when the opportunity presents itself, not when, hey, they come to you and they finally ask for restitution, then you can go ahead and reconcile. He says, go, which is really important because I believe this, reconciliation doesn't just happen. It must be pursued. We have to pursue it. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, first, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. It seems a little unrealistic. Seems a little impossible, which I think is one of the biggest challenges that we still face today that they faced in the same culture is that when we hear these things from Jesus, the teaching is so radical that we say, I get that, but nobody can actually live that way, right? Like God doesn't really, these are just really good ideas. These are metaphors. Like we don't really need to do these things, do we? I love the words of N.T. Wright. He says all of this, of course, impossible. That is, it's impossible until you look at Jesus. And as we continue through Matthew's story, we discover that our natural question, how can people possibly do what he says, is eventually answered. Jesus himself refused to go the way of anger. Instead, he took the anger of his enemies within Israel and of Israel's own enemies, the Romans, onto himself, died under its load. And from that point on, catch this, reconciliation is not simply an ideal we must strive for. It's an achievement, an accomplishment 
which we in turn must embody. Isn't that good? We can't live that way, can we? Jesus did. That's what he invites us into. That's what he's casting vision for here. That's what he's saying. It's not about a list of rules. Let me give you a whole different way of living that starts from the inside and overflows to the outside. Reconciliation, healing, rooting out anger. It doesn't just happen. We have to pursue it. And he gave us the greatest example to pursue it. He was fully human and said, this is how to live. And some of us are walking around with anger. Some of us have relationships with other people that they're, ha- they're holding something against us. And it's eating away at the way life is designed to live right here, right now in the kingdom. I'm not asking you to leave. I'm actually asking you to stay. Listen to the rest of the sermon. And then maybe leave and go and be reconciled. Pursuing reconciliation is difficult. It's hard. It's challenging. It seems unrealistic and sometimes impossible. But we must radically pursue it. And our humility with God and openness to his spirit will result in mutual submission to each other. Then we will enjoy life and the freedom of God's love. And offer others the same. Now, reconciliation on our own can go awry. (laughs) I know it can happen that with me. However, if we do it in cooperation with the Spirit, that is where we get our biggest help. So we have to own, I have to pursue it, but we don't do it on our own. We do it in cooperation with the Spirit. Let me remind you of these words from Paul. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things like this. Those who belong to Christ, this is us, have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. Our natural response might be anger, frustration, short-temperedness, loss of control. See the difference between the fruits of the Spirit, right? We don't produce fruit. We cooperate with the Spirit, and the Spirit within us produces this fruit. It's why when we're going to seek reconciliation, we don't go do it on our own. We do it in cooperation with the Spirit. That way, when we get in that situation, what gets produced out of us is the fruit of the Spirit. We have to cooperate with the Spirit. Another quote from N.T. Wright. Text Brian this week. You know, just said, N.T. Wright, just brilliant. Just a brilliant thinker. Uh, Jesus offers two, remarkable, uh, two remarkably specific and practical commands. Be reconciled and make friends. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? How simple that is, and yet how hugely difficult and costly. It will almost certainly involve climbing down from the high pedestal on which you have placed yourself, abandoning your position of superiority over the person that you're angry with. But genuine humans don't live on pedestals. They have their feet on the ground on a, on, on a level with everybody else. Isn't that great? It reminds me of what Jesus was saying earlier. Every person is valuable in God's eyes. Every person. The person you're angry with, the person that's angry with you, no matter whom you have problems with, every single person is valuable to God. 
Reconciliation has to be pursued. And that story that I told you earlier of my friend, I wasn't really angry at that person. When I knew they were angry with me, what I did have to do is I had to crawl over being misunderstood. I had to crawl over the, the fact that I felt justified by my response and that I wanted to let them know how justified I was. I had to crawl over my own need for feeling heard. And ultimately, I had to crawl, crawl down off my tower, and I had to be on level ground, and I had to be humble and open to the work that the Spirit was doing in me. And I had to own anything that I could have done wrong in that situation to cause hurt to that other person. Ultimately, I had to do this. I had to want reconciliation more than anything else that was going on inside of self. Set me aside. What do I want? Reconciled with that person more than anything. Jesus says, this is more important than worship. That's what he's saying. So bring your gift to the altar. They're bringing that in in worship. And Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, this is more important than just this. This has to do with this. This has to do with the people around you. Reconciliation with each other. It's connected to this. This and this flow together. Real life is lived in right relatedness with God and other people. Living in a righteous community is much about receiving the grace and offering that same grace to other people. Isn't that important? Man, it's so important. Let's jump back a few verses, actually. When Jesus is kicking this, these antitheses off, he says, Matthew 5, 20. Uh, we read this a few weeks back. He said, I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying is real life is better than a checklist. You're not going to get all the box checked. He's saying, so if you want real life in this kingdom, this right relatedness, this righteousness is to God and to other people. The law was designed to produce it, but when we get caught up in keeping the law, we don't get to prioritize the relationships. We're prioritizing the rules. It's not about the rules. It's about the relationships. It's about people. It's about our right relatedness to God and to other people. And this idea of righteousness, we talked about this a few months back, that this word gets misunderstood and it's this righteousness is about, it's about a covenant relationship. It's a relational term between God and his people in its right relatedness with God and his people. Faithfulness in this relational covenant is about saying, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we can't say we're good here if we're not good here. Does that make sense? We can't truly be in full right relatedness with God if there's all kinds of stuff down here that's between us and a lot of other people. This all is a relational covenant. It's all tied together. It's not about a holy me. It's about a holy we. Say that, a holy we. And too many times I think we might just look at our relationship as God and I are good. And we are. We are. It's like we said off earlier. Nothing's going to ever separate us from his love. But he also invites us into this kingdom of love that's right here, right now. And that's where the holy we is so important that we live in this kingdom together. 
It's relationship. I love as he continues on in here. He says, be, to make, be sure to make friends quickly uh, with your opponents while you're with them on the way to the courts. I love that. He's saying, don't let it be about the law deciding what your fate's going to be. You're going to go to the court, and they're going to look at all this stuff, and they're going to decide what's going to be. He goes, why don't you make friends with them now on your way to the courts? Why don't you reconcile this now? It's about relationship. He's saying this isn't about generalized anger. He's saying it's about anger with people. These are people that you're living life with. And he's saying reconcile it now. We're to love our neighbors. We're not to slander one another. We're to do evil to other people. It's not about not doing it. It's about saying yes to what God's inviting us into of right relatedness with him and other people. And we're invited into this covenant relationship where God is our God and we are God's people. And as God's people, we live out this relationship in the vertical and in the horizontal. And sometimes reconciliation seems unrealistic and sometimes impossible. But we must radically pursue it. And with our humility with God and our openness to his spirit, it will result in mutual submission with each other. Then, then, we will live and enjoy life in the freedom of God's love and offer others the same. But we have to recognize that we hurt people. We still live in brokenness, right? Anybody in here got it all right? Got it all figured out? No. But it's why we let Jesus transform us from the inside out. So we have to own, I've hurt people. You've hurt people. People have hurt us. I get angry. You get angry. I've sinned in my anger. You've probably, you've sinned in your anger. Yes. <laughs> probably other people have too. <clears throat> but Jesus is giving us a really great vision. Life and a community of love. Righteousness. Not just about vertical. It's also about the horizontal. Reconciliation must be pursued. You must humble yourself to it, to what the Spirit's doing in you, and seek after it. And I'm learning this still. Terry and I were talking last week, I think, or two weeks ago. It's like, if we stop learning, then we're in trouble, right? That's why we say we're, we're learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. Not he taught us once and now we have it. I'm learning to keep short accounts. I'm learning to not let those things go underground. In this situation with my friend, uh, in this reconciliation, I often tell the person on Sunday, your hugs mean so much to me. Like, it's, it's a different hug than what it was before this reconciliation. Like, it was a different hug even before we had the problem. It's like, it's, it's a unique hug because I know we've walked through something and now we experience something because we were both humble to the Spirit and what He was doing in us. And now we experience life at a little bit different level. It's a beautiful thing. Seemed impossible, but it was possible. So how about you? How could you respond to that? I bet you already have somebody in your mind. You already see their face. You already know who it is that you might need to pursue reconciliation with. Right now. So go do it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. But maybe do this. Maybe you have to wrestle with this question. Do I want it? 
So you've heard, God doesn't force himself on to people. He invites. He's all the time. Give us an invitation. And he invites us into the kingdom life. He invites us into this way of love. And our choice really is, do I want that? Do I want to surrender to that? So this Sermon on the Mount, radical teaching. But man, one of the best, the best way to live life that he invites us into. So as you're thinking about that person, if you're thinking about that conversation, you just have to decide, do I actually want to live in reconciliation in this way that God wants me to live? So before we go, I want you to wrestle with that a little bit. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, and take a moment. As you're sitting there, maybe just see that person's face. And remember, Jesus said this is the utmost importance. That if you come to worship, go first, reconcile with somebody that has something against you. So I want to read this good news again. As you process and as you surrender to that. Reconciliation seems unrealistic and sometimes impossible. And I bet with most of you, it's probably feeling impossible to that person you have in your mind. But you must radically pursue it. Your humility with God and openness to his spirit will result in mutual submission to each other. You might have to crawl over some things or crawl down off your tower of superiority. But when you do, you will enjoy life in the freedom of God's love and get to offer that same to other people. Your right relatedness with God is also connected to your life with other people. Father, as we come to the end of these words for today, Help us get serious about how we're going to respond to you and what that might look like this week as we head into the reality of these words. And it might be easy as we walk away from here to have a gap between here and maybe next Sunday when we come together like this, but help us feel the urgency of the connectedness to you is how we are connected to other people. Guide us in that way. Give us courage where we need courage. Give us wisdom where we need wisdom. And help us to take uh, you with us in that, that we don't try to tackle it alone. Father, help us want what you want more than anything else. We ask this in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.